Influencing popular culture, politics, and everything in between. The local station takes you ringside as we discuss the crazy world that is professional wrestling. This is Going Ringside with the local station. Hello, and thank you for joining us today on Going Ringside. I'm your host, Scott Johnson, and today is a marquee episode, episode 50. I can't believe we've made 50 episodes of this podcast. It has been an absolute joy and privilege to bring you wrestling, fighting, boxing, sometimes content. Um, and I am so excited we could make it to episode 50 for one of the subjects I've wanted to talk about for quite a while now, and we're going to get to it in a bit, and that would be the baddest man on the planet, as some have called him, Haku, or Ming, the legit toughest wrestler of all time, by all accounts. And we're going to have Haku join us on the show in a little bit. So I'm so excited to talk about that. But there's a lot going on in the wrestling world, on the local level, on the national level. We need to unpack it. And first, one of the things before we get to other subjects that I wanted to talk about is if you're going to be in Florida in June, the River City Wrestling Con lineup is getting huge. And we want to talk about the huge um, stars that are coming to St. John's County this June 8th and 9th. And let's put it on the screen right now. Look at the packed lineup so far, and there's still more to come. We've talked about that top row so far. We have uh, the legendary, the hardcore legend, Mick Foley, right next to him. One of the headliners this year, Trish Stratus, is going to be here. The icon, Sting, is coming. Lita will also be here, as well as another icon in the women's division, Mickey James. And then uh, we will have another friend of the show, Teddy Long, is going to be here. Holla, holla, holla. Al Snow uh, is going to be, Sean Waltman is going to be here, and a guy who courts controversy everywhere he goes, and he knows it, Eric Bischoff. Just announced, um, Ash by Elegance, who is better known in WWE as Dana Brooke, she's Ash by Elegance now, is also going to be on hand, and Tatanka is going to be there. I'm very excited to talk to Tatanka. Once again, River City Wrestling Con, June 8th and 9th, uh, down at the World Golf Village in St. John's County. Just an incredible lineup. There will be more stars announced, so start planning now, June 8th and 9th. We, of course, at Going Ringside will be there live that weekend for all the festivities. Um, so didn't want to miss that. And I want to back up to a little of what we've talked about on the show in the last few weeks. Of course, we talked about the McMahon situation. You can go back and listen to our most downloaded episodes ever on the McMahon situation, two episodes on both his um, lawsuit that's been filed against him, accusing him of sex trafficking, as well as talk about the feds possibly looking at McMahon and whether or not he could face criminal charges. Um, and then last episode, we talked all about The Rock and Cody Rhodes and their feud going into mania. So that's been the talk of the wrestling world, obviously, The Rock turning heel. And with this, all this going on, we're in Jacksonville, the home base, the headquarters of All Elite Wrestling AEW. I've noticed the dynamic that's been going on in the last few weeks with all the Rock, Cody, and the McMahon news that AEW really hasn't been on the radar. So I figured they probably need to change that. 
how do they do that? One of the difficulties is dealing with The Rock being back on WWE television um, with uh, turning heel and all that drama and all that fanfare surrounding it. So I went on the Going Ringside TikTok channel. As I tell you all the time, we put exclusive daily content there every day, much of which you won't see here on the podcast. I want to show you what I posted here about AEW getting back on wrestling fans' radar with all this other stuff going on. Hey, I'm Scott Johnson, host of the Going Ringside podcast. AEW needs a headline. They need to grab attention. That has been almost impossible in the last month and a half with the McMahon scandal followed by the Rock situation with Cody. That Rock situation is going to be there for at least the next couple months with the buildup to the Mania main event, the first time Rock is in the ring. They tried with a Mercedes Monet announcement, but it really didn't move the needle because it was in the middle of all the Rock Cody drama. So you need to start looking at the next few months strategically from an AEW perspective if you want to get an attention grabber. Maybe something like another big signing or a return of MJF, something like that. But you need to be strategic about it. Don't try and counter-program The Rock immediately. But eventually The Rock, Cody, and Roman stuff will start to wear over the next couple months and you need to be ready to respond to that aew needs to get back on the radar i'm not saying they can or cannot they just need to strategically plan their next big rollout of a new talent some sort of announcement maybe an mjf return or something that fans don't see coming but don't do it at a time when you have something like the rock coming back but that will not be an ongoing storyline forever so that's one of the things that I, I got to say, and you'll get exclusive content like that daily on the Going Ringside TikTok and Instagram channel. But yeah, AEW's got to get back in that conversation about new exciting things happening on their program, which it is. I'm not saying it's not, but it's just been hard to get attention because of The Rock. I mean, The Rock sucks up so much oxygen in the wrestling world because he's so he's the most famous wrestler ever, arguably. Um, that it's just hard to get on the radar with that happening, but that will not be new forever. Uh, so they need to watch that. They need to plan on how they're going to counter-program The Rock, but maybe not directly when he comes back to SmackDown and turns heel on the fans for really the first time. You know, it's, it's a dynamic in the wrestling world from a producing standpoint. You really have to plan out. I saved this Haku episode for episode 50 because I love... Haku's story, because one of my favorite subjects in pro wrestling is the toughest wrestlers of all time. Legit tough. Not in the ring. Like, if you walk up to this guy in your regular life in a back alley, the last person you ever want to see is Haku, who's also known as Ming in WCW. If you go into wrestling chat rooms, there are debates on who are the legit toughest wrestlers of all time. This has been going on forever. Because wrestling, as you know, is a predetermined sport. So many people call it fake. Wrestlers would not do that because it hurts. But there's the question of which guys are legitimately tough and which guys are not. So one of the things, and I, we're going to have the Triple Threat Wrestling Podcast join us a little later to unpack this situation. But one of the things I've always saw was that a guy who many people say is not legitimately tough, and there's some stories out there involving bar fights in real life, is Shawn Michaels. They say Shawn is not legitimately as tough as he comes across on camera. 
you can debate that with Sean. I don't know Sean, and I, I couldn't say whether he is or is not. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, the guy who everyone collectively says in real life is the baddest man there is, is Haku. Now, in this debate, I don't want to throw in your UFC fighters like your friend of the show, Ken Shamrock, or your Brock Lesnar, Dan Severn, who we've had on the show, guys like that who were, um, you know, professionally fought for a living. But just as far as guys who are just generally known as wrestlers, like Ron Simmons, who we've had on the show, there's some very, very tough, tough men who have done this. And generally speaking, if you go to any of these chat rooms, the guy who is always at the mountaintop is Haku. Um, and that's not all he's about. He was a great wrestler, and we're going to talk about that, too, for all those years. And he does have some background in fighting. He, was a, he did train in sumo as a teenager before he got into wrestling. He came from the island of Tonga, and he actually joined sumo with his longtime partner, the Barbarian, another guy who's legitimately, generally a very tough guy from the island of Tonga. And they studied sumo. Um, so I want to talk a little about Haku's career. But before I do that, I want to back up and talk about how legitimately tough he is. We've talked about Haku a few times on the podcast because you can't get away from him because he's so just legitimately so much a badass. You never want to run into Haku in real life. So I talked to both Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Kevin Sullivan, the Taskmaster, who kind of managed Haku in WCW's Dungeon of Doom. This is what they had to say when I asked him about is Haku really as tough as they say? Did you have the overlap with Haku on the King gimmick? No, I met Haku. I met Haku uh, as a convict in 1980 in Hawaii. We were making 40 bucks a week. I've known Haku longer than I know anybody in the business. He's a very good friend. Yeah, yeah. No, that uh, the Kingdom no, made no. Yeah, it was just just business. Yeah. Is he as tough as they say? He's as tough as they say. Yeah, yeah. And he, um, he's a jerk magnet. If he walks into a bar, every jerk in the place will mess with him. He, and he's an easy, easy guy. But uh, it's good to see him doing so well down in Florida. He's doing really good. One guy you mentioned I want to ask about, Ming Haku. Is he as tough as everyone says? It's, it's lore among wrestling fans. Well, I saw two incidents in my life. Haku didn't drink. Okay. But when he drank, it was a whole Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. And back in the day when we would go to Louisiana and we'd go out in some of the counties, you could only buy beer at bars and take it out, right? There was no package stores. Yeah. So I had me, I believe, uh, Bobby Eaton, a couple of other guys in the car, but Ming was in the car. So I pulled up and I said, I'll go in and get the beer. When I walked in, by the time I got to go get the beer, I look over my peripheral vision and Ming's got a triple Jack Daniels and he swallows it. Uh-oh, that's a dangerous thing. So then he goes and goes to play pool. And there was a bunch of uh, like rednecks. Yeah. One of them had a flannel shirt with the sleeves cut off, and he said a real derogatory statement to him. Okay. He said, we don't let people of your background, background. Okay. Yeah. play pool. So he, he said, I'm playing pool. 
So when Ming grabbed the pool stick, guy came up and hit him in the back with the pool stick, and the splintered. And when Ming turned around, you know the hold he used to use on TV, the goozle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's real. When he got the guy in the throat, the, I thought it was like a wrestling match. The guy started to drop. Ming bit through his shirt and spit a piece of his back out. Oh, my God. Then another guy tried to sucker punch him. It bounced off his head. He grabbed the guy, and I thought that he was going to make out with him. He grabbed him in the back of the head, pulled him in, and bit his nose off. Oh, my I said, God. it's time to get out. And I've heard Rock tell that story. Rock tells the same story? Yeah, on yeah. Jimmy Fallon. I saw it. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, yeah. So he is just as bad as they say. Yeah, he, he's the baddest man on the planet. Yeah. So Aku is not just about, you know, just being the toughest, legitimate fighter of all time in pro wrestling. There's a lot more to him, and I want to talk a little about his career. So he came from the island of Tonga, and he's actually considered a part of the greater Anawa'e family, which is the Rocks family and Roman Reigns family, the bloodline. They consider Haku part of the bloodline, maybe the toughest member of it. Um, he, did, he did tag team with Rikishi for a while. The Rock considers Haku his uncle, and there's a story, we're going to ask Haku about it a little bit, where the Rock gave him a pickup truck just as a gift, a brand new pickup truck. Uh, so I asked Haku a little about that um, later on the show. But I want to talk a little about who he is. So he came from Tonga and has very deep ties to the Anawa'e family, and they consider him part of the family. Rock, once again, calls him Uncle Tonga. Um, and then he starts his career in the late 1970s. And Jim Duggan says he came in with Haku at the same time. They've been longtime friends. And he, does, he wrestles all over the world, places like, uh, I think he's up in Montreal for a while. He does some All Japan. But the first time Haku came on my radar, and I think Americans' radar, was in 86, when he was brought into the World Wrestling Federation, WWF, as a member of the tag team, The Islanders. Um, and he was King Tonga eventually, but he started as uh, part of The Islanders with his tag team partner, Haku and Tama was his partner, um, the Tongan kid, who eventually how he'd be known. And he'd have a pretty good career, too. And he's a member of the Anawa'e family. So Haku goes in as a member of the Islanders. They're a great, strong tag team. Haku's an incredible athlete, an incredible worker. They would go barefoot to the ring, and they were good. I mean, you had uh, the British Bulldogs. You had... Big John Studd, King, uh, King Kong Bundy, you had the Hart Foundation, you had a lot of good tag teams, and the Islanders were a good tag team in that division. But in 88, Haku really kind of came into his own, and he broke away from his tag team when Harley Race, by the way, Harley Race and Andre the Giant, who I'm going to talk about now, have both been on record as saying they were intimidated by Haku in real life, if that tells you anything. Haku, uh, Andre and Harley are two considered two of the toughest men ever in wrestling, and they were intimidated by Haku. So um, uh, you had King Harley race in the mid-1980s. He was uh, toward the end of his career, one of the greats of all time, and he had an injury and had to leave, and he kind of went into retirement at that point. So they took the King gimmick and gave it to Haku. Haku didn't talk a lot, but he had Bobby Heenan as his mouthpiece manager, and Haku was H King Haku. And he would have the crown and all that. He feuded with Duggan and Savage for a while and had some heavyweight championship matches. I think he fought Hogan. He fought Sav Randy Savage at his peak. So he was a great uh, 
performer, a great worker. You could have him work with anyone. He could work tag team. He could work title matches. He could work mid-card. He was just good at it. Um, and then eventually you have another issue with another marquee talent in WWF, Andre the Giant. Andre, by 88, 89, is starting to wear down. His injuries and his life and his weight and everything is starting to catch up with him. So they still need to show off Andre as the attraction, but he's not really um, good enough physically to keep wrestling at the level he was. Health eventually took its toll on Andre the Giant. We're going to be doing an episode on the final days of Andre the Giant in coming weeks. So they put him in a tag team. That's how you do it. They put him with Haku and they called them the Colossal the Connection. When you look at it from a business marketing standpoint, it was great because Andre could still go down to the ring, he could stay on the ropes, not have to physically do as much. Haku could do all the wrestling because Haku was such a gifted athlete, and then they could tag Andre in. Andre could do a spot or two, and, and they'd win that way. And it meant that Andre could go out there, not physically tax his body so much, because he was toward the end of his run, and Haku could do all the heavy lifting um, and do the majority of the match. And then eventually Haku kind of bounces around in WWF for a while, and he's gone by 92. He leaves WWF. And he wrestles internationally. And I don't know if I said Haku's real name. I meant to do that as real name, and I didn't know this. It's Tonga Yuli Yuli Fafita is his real name. Um, and we're going to talk to him a little about the island culture and how that works in a little bit on the show. Um, but he eventually came back when I saw him again when he came to WCW, and he took on a new name. His name, where he's just as well known, was Ming. M-E-N-G, and he came in as he was a bodyguard for Colonel Robert, Robert Parker, who was a southern manager gimmick, and he was the bodyguard, and they booked him as this indestructible monster, which Haku Ming kind of was in real life. He was an indestructible monster. I remember one thing, which back in the day, if you were hit with a chair, you sold it. It, like, knocked you out. It was brutal. But I remember one time they broke a wooden chair over Haku's head, and he just stared at him and screamed. It didn't affect them at all. They really portrayed him as this indestructible monster. It was a real cool gimmick, and I liked it a lot. And he would face off against guys like Sting at the Great American Bash, um, just some major fights there um, as Ming. But then again, by 95, one of the corny gimmicks, which Kevin Sullivan talks a little about in our past interview with Kevin Sullivan, you can go look up our Kevin Sullivan show in the archives. That was a good show. Um, Kevin Sullivan started the Dungeon of Doom with a bunch of monsters who could face Hulk Hogan because Hulk Hogan was in WCW at that point. And Haku, they team with his longtime buddy, the Barbarian, and they become the Faces of Fear. And they're a good, solid feared tag team. Faces of Fear is realistic with them because in real life they were the Faces of Fear. So they are good and they, they wrestle on top. They go against like the Steiner Brothers, uh, the Nasty Boys, Harlem Heat, all those great tag teams from mid-time WCW. And then, as we everyone famously knows, in 1996, the NWO shows up with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. And the NWO kind of changes WCW totally. And one of the feuds for the outsiders, who Hall and Nash were, was the Faces of Fear. It was a legit, brutal tag team that could help put 
um, Holland Nash over, but still looked like it took a lot out of them because uh, Barbarian and Haku were such tough guys in real life, and people knew it, people respected it. And you could put Haku anywhere. One of the ways that you could tell how valued Haku was to WCW is when Bill Goldberg came in and they saw they had lightning in a bottle and he started his undefeated streak and Bill Goldberg was booked as an indestructible cyborg almost. No one could beat Bill Goldberg. All his matches were squash matches. They would last maximum 90 seconds. Goldberg in real life is kind of a new wrestler. He didn't really know how to wrestle that well. He was just learning it. So he would, they'd do squash matches to protect him. He didn't have to do a lot. He'd do his jackhammer and pin, and that was it. So you didn't have to worry that um, Bill Goldberg, the man, would go out and do a bad job and not look indestructible. you just make his matches quick and make him just roll over his competition. But one of the people that they actually put him in legit, more long-form matches with was another guy who was booked as indestructible, which was Haku. Haku would lose because his job was to put Bill Goldberg over and make him look good, but there would be longer matches because Haku Ming, as he was at that point, was such a gifted performer, so they could put him up against Ming one-on-one -on -one, and they could make Goldberg look like he had to work for the win. And it was kind of believable because Haku, or Ming, was booked as such an indestructible guy just as well as Goldberg was. And we talked to uh, Ming a little about that in the show. And um, eventually, uh, WCW folds, and Haku does come back for a while when you have the Brothers of Destruction, Kane and The Undertaker, and they're feuding with Rikishi, and Rakishi, who's also booked big as indestructible, brings in a guy who's believable. He brings in Haku, and Rikishi and Haku feud with The Undertaker and Kane. And then we didn't see much. Haku mostly went into retirement at that point. Um, he's, made, he's shown up here and there. But I want to point out what I just described. Look at his career and who he feuded with and who he helped put over. Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Holland Nash, Goldberg, Undertaker, and Kane. The greatest of all time would feud with Haku. That tells you how good he was in all those different generations. Even though he would many times do the job, he was so good they would book him with the best in the world because Haku or Ming was just such a gifted and in real life feared wrestler. So they knew they could put him against the top of the, the cream of the crop, Undertaker, Andre, Hogan, whoever, and Haku or Ming would make them look good. With that being said, let's bring him in. Here's my interview with Haku, a.k.a. Ming, about his life and times in the wrestling world. Well, we are excited to be joined by Haku, the king himself, Haku, <laughs> Ming, whatever you want to call it. How are you doing today, sir? However you want to call me. <laughs> uh, what have you been up to lately with your life? Well, you know, um, working, having my own, you know, uh, job, regular job, you know, yep. like everybody else. Yes. I hear you recently got something from Dwayne Johnson. Is that accurate? Well, you know, I really appreciate it. I had a big truck there that yeah. you know I'm driving it around nowadays you know when you live in Kissimmee you have to have a truck you yeah. know to become a rednecks you know you have to yeah. be you know with the truck there 
So you have developed Notorious globally for years as being the baddest man in the business. I never hear anyone talk to you about that. What are your thoughts on what people say about you? The well, toughest guy out there. That was the old days, or the younger days. The younger days, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with all the gray hair and all that. Yes. <laughs> what do you do? What do you think of that? That that people that wrestling bands talk about that with you all the time. Well, you know, we come in to take the opportunity in this great country. Yeah. So you know that's what it is. Where were you originally from? I'm from a little island in the South Pacific. We are the last kingdom of the South Pacific. It's called um, the Kingdom of Tonga. So you come in, were you Were you the Tonga kid or was that your partner? I that was my partner. That was your partner. Yeah, How yeah. did you come in? You were Haku when you came in? I came in as Haku or King Tonga. So many names I can't even remember. Sir, what know. were your, some of your first feuds that you came in with? Well, I came from Japan. Okay. Yeah, you know, and that's where my home was until now that I live in Kissimmee. Okay. So, yes. And you started the colossal connection with Andre the Giant. What was that like? Well, it was unbelievable. It was an honor also to be with the Giant. Yeah. It was great. I enjoyed very much. And I also miss him. You know. Yeah. And you were King Haku, which your shirt says right now. Yeah, yeah. How, uh, how did it come about to crown you king of the WWF? Well, it was the king of the ring, and I took it away from Holly Race, one of the toughest guys of those Yes, he days. was. And, you know, a great NWA champion, you know, but they put us together at WWF then. Yeah. Yes. And you move on eventually to WCW as Ming. You right. go in as a bodyguard, yes. kind of an indestructible bodyguard, and you just stick around just in all sorts of uh, incantations while you're there. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that's how it was and the schedule and, you know, the way they wanted. So you were one of the more impressive opponents during Goldberg's original streak. You really would work hard with Bill Goldberg. What was that like? It was great. You know, he came in young, you know, it was like a bull for the business, and it was a change around there with us, you know, to go against him. Yeah. Of course, being an ex-football player, you know, I can't leave him alone. I am a sumo wrestler, rugby player, and become a professional wrestler. So, you know, that's the uh, inside of me then, you know, yeah, that was, uh, yes. And you worked a lot with Barbarian. How did you and Barbarian get teamed up? It's a tag team. We are from the same high school back home. Oh, really? Okay. Play rugby together. And then they, the king, of course, sent us to Japan to be a sumo wrestler. The king of Tonga? Yes, the king of Tonga. Uh, how did that work? I don't understand your, the logistics of your island. You won't understand because you have a president. We have a king. I got gotcha. you. So you won't understand. Gotcha. So you and Barbarian, did he kind of get in around the same time as you? No, because he saw me there, we met, and that's how it started. Gotcha. And why did you stay in the business so long? Did you just love it? Well, I started young to start yeah. with, and yes, I love it, and I thought that I can still do it. Now, eventually, after your WCW days, uh, Rikishi brings you in, and you and him kind of feud with Undertaker and Kane. Right. What was yeah. that like? It was great, you know, to be with... Um, Rakishi and against the, yeah, it was part of the, the game that you have to face whoever they put in front of you. 
you guys were one of the few teams that looked like you could face Undertaker and Kane square on. Yeah, yeah, and I believe it too. We both believe it. Yeah. Now we were talking about Dwayne Johnson a little bit ago. Um, were you impressed at how well he did? Were you surprised how well he did? No, I'm not surprised at all. You know, as everybody have a chance, and uh, you know, I'm grateful and I'm proud of him. Now, where can people see you? Are you you're in Kissimmee right now? So you're in Florida. You're in. Yes. Why did yeah. you come to Florida of all places when you've been in Japan all this time? Well, Florida is just like home. It's hot, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> the beaches are around, are nice. You know, so that's why I, I want to live it. And a lot of friends, all my friends live here in Florida. And I always wondered, you're not, you're no relation to the Anawaii family, are you? They were just I another island family. Is that yes. accurate? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's another island family. They're from Samoa. And I'm from Tonga. And where do you do you um, keep in touch with anyone? Who do you keep in touch with from the business? Anyone really? Well, most of them. Uh, we see each other on uh, occasionally like this. But uh, the Hanoi family, they, they live also here in Florida. So we got to see each other. And what do you think about Roman Reigns as a performer? Great. Fantastic. And I'm proud of him also. That they, you know, put the South Pacific in the map of America and also in the world. And were guys ever scared to wrestle you? No, no, nobody, you know, we all train, you know, to wrestle each other. Well, Haku, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you. And I hope we can catch up with Haku again. Maybe if he comes to River City Wrestling Con again this year, maybe we can catch up with him one more time in June. But Haku, just a great performer. And, and on this subject of Haku, as I said, he's considered widely regarded as the toughest wrestler of all time. Not including the UFC guys, like friend of the show, Ken Shamrock, Dan Severn, Brock Lesnar. It's kind of hard to judge that. But as far as those legit tough wrestlers, like uh, the, I mentioned at the top of the show, Ron Simmons, who we've had on the show, um, and Haku, you've got some legit tough guys out there. So I wanted to unpack this and have that conversation. So I uh, invited our friends over the Triple Threat Wrestling Podcast to come in and discuss the legit toughest guys of all time in the squared circle. So here's our interview with the Triple Threat Wrestling Podcast. Well, we're joined right now by Travis Brewer with the Triple Threat Wrestling Podcast based out of Chicago. Uh, Travis, tell me all about your show and where people can find you. Yeah, so we're on YouTube, we're on TikTok, um, slash Triple Threat Wrestling. Uh, me and my buddy do uh, top five lists. We break down. Um, we just recently did a Roman Reigns legacy breakdown. So a lot of breakdowns, a lot of information on there. So hopefully you like what you see on there. I'm going to throw you a curveball, not on Haku, who we're talking about today, but you're from Chicago. Uh, any big CM Punk fan out there? Yeah, it's huge out here, man. But like, so my buddy that's on the podcast was at Survivor Series when that happened, uh -huh. and he sends me the video. I can't even hear anything else, but the fans is going crazy. Really? So, um, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, like, because I'm down in Jacksonville where he was with AEW and that, you know, they had their whole controversy, but he's yeah. really over in Chicago, isn't he? Oh, yeah. No, the, and that's the thing is I kind of felt bad for Randy Orton because that CM Punk, that just overshadowed everything. I, I wanted the same thing. I predicted on going ringside TikTok channel that they wouldn't bring back both of the same night, but they did. Yeah, I kind of thought Randy got a little overshadowed that night. He definitely did, yeah, but well, it all worked talk, out. 
And let's talk about what we're here to talk about today. That is Haku or Ming, King Tonga back in the day. Uh, a legend in the business. He's kind of considered part of the Anawa'e family, even though he's not a blood relative. I think The Rock calls him his uncle. So one of the things that I think Haku is talked about the most for, like if you go in any wrestling chat room and you mention the toughest wrestlers of all time, be it uh, old school like Stan Hansen or, you know, Brock Lesnar, people like that, everyone always mentions Haku, a.k.a. Ming. Talk to me about your thoughts on him in the in the toughest wrestler of all time and and who you think kind of maybe belongs on that list. And we're talking legit tough guys. When the cameras are off, if the fight breaks out, who you want on your back? Yeah, well, definitely Haku's number one. Um, yeah. I remember uh, an interview where Bobby Heenan had said that Andre the Giant feared only two men. He feared Haku and he feared uh, Harley Race. So, and if and if Haku fear or if Andre the Giant fears you, a man who could just squash you like a grape, yeah. that's saying something. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, one of the uh, stories that I read about Haku is they were in an airport. Uh, a lot of guys were trying to bully the fake wrestlers, and um, as graphic as it is, he bit the guy's nose off. Is what they said. I'm like, well, I wouldn't mess with that guy. <laughs> nope, absolutely um, not. Uh, who who I think would belong in that conversation? So obviously, we got like Ken Shamrock. Brock yeah. Lesnar, Kurt Angle, just for their uh, the, the, the legit right? UFC fighters, wrestlers. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And then the only other two that um, really come to mind, just as far as stories that you hear, uh, Arn Anderson. Uh, I heard that he got in a really? fight. With, uh, yeah, they said that he was in a oh, fight. Oh, yeah, the Sid uh, Vicious fight. With Sid, yep. He got stabbed yep. with scissors. Like, And he just kept fighting him. Like, are you all right? <laughs> you yeah. know, but uh, And then um, Bam Bam Bigelow. So in 2000, uh, he had okay. rushed in that house to save the three kids at Burning House. Oh, burned yeah, yeah, 40% yeah. of his body, and that ended his wrestling career. So, you know, that takes toughness to say, I got to save these kids. I don't care what happens to me. A so, couple others I'll throw out there. Uh, Ron Simmons, Farouk, was very tough guy by all accounts. We've had him on the show. And one that I didn't know about, so Undertaker goes on um, Steve Austin's podcast and told a story about uh, Dan Spivey. I don't know if you remember Dan Spivey back yep. in the day. He was part of the skyscrapers. And they were having a feud with the Road Warriors in WCW back in the day. And he said Road Warriors steered clear of Dan Spivey in real life. They were like, he yep. was, they were nervous around Dan Spivey. That one is a little bonus that I that I got from Undertaker that legit. Yeah. So there's a lot of very tough guys out there, but I, I agree. And and the thing I would love to see more than anything someday is if we could settle the debate like uh Haku versus like a Lesnar or something like that. Two oh, different yeah. worlds. Haku's just a bar fighter, Lesnar's a pro fighter, but I, I would I would love to get a definitive answer on that. And we had yeah. Ken Shamrock on our show a lot. If you want to yes. go watch our Ken Shamrock episode to our viewers right now, um, he talks about who some of the toughest guys in the business were and says he thought, I even asked him if he thinks he could beat Brock Lesnar in a fight. Go look at that in the archives. So moving on, Haku is considered part of the Anawa'e family. Um, you know, Anawa'e, even though he's not blood related, they consider him like an uncle. You've got uh roman reigns and the rock you've got yokozuna you've got the wild samoans and all the people in that clan really all the island guys do you think they're the greatest wrestling family of all time i would say i mean with um the lineage just the amount of talent that's come out of that family yeah you'd have to give it to them i mean as far as 
Roman Reigns, who's one of the biggest uh, heels right now, the stars, and you got The Rock and, you know, Umaga back in the day was uh, a yeah. force to be reckoned with. And just the, the whole family is just filled with talent. And I you know, mean, it used to be, I think, years ago before maybe Roman was around and Rock was still, you know, the crown jewel of the family. But we'd always talk about the Hart's fam- the Hart family, the Von okay. Erichs, um, and, and frankly, the Rotunda family with Bray Wyatt. Um, but yeah, the NOIs have just done so much in this industry. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. The the only family I think that would be a close second as far as lineage and amount of talent, the Guerrero family was really oh, yeah, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a great family. But yeah, the NOI family, you just can't touch the talent that's come from that family. So And of course there's the McMahon family, but they're kind of a different they're Yeah, a different I didn't thing. include them, yeah, because I was like, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh one other thing I want to talk about. So we we've talked about it on our going ringside TikTok and a few other places that um the rock in 2015 calls him uncle tonga i think is how he refers to aku it was this famous i think it made usa today and a lot of mainstream press gives him a brand new pickup truck and we heard haku talking about it. he still drives it around today what do you think about it says about the rock and you know he seems to really you know as big as he's gotten in hollywood and xfl and all the other stuff he does maybe a presidential run down the road who knows yeah. <laughs> he still has really remained close with his wrestling roots are you surprised how close is he he's remained with all these folks no i mean his generosity toward his family um he did the same thing for his mom he bought her uh, a nice truck um you know uh, uncle tonga he did he, he had uh, uncle tonga haku uh, his ma- uh, best man at his wedding oh really so, okay i didn't yeah. know that okay interesting yeah. so i mean he just his, the love for his family is just you know you can't touch the that or the generosity he shows to them so the family means a lot to the samoan culture and uh i'm sure that he just carries on that that uh the love for them and I cannot recommend it enough if you're a fan of wrestling and you haven't watched Young Rock, which just got canceled. It was on NBC for three seasons. It tells all about his life. It's all the characters are wrestlers. I cannot recommend it enough from the Iron Sheik to Sergeant Slaughter and, every, and to everyone in between. Well, Travis, thank you so much for joining us. One more time, tell us all about where folks can find the podcast. Yeah, so YouTube.com slash Triple Threat Wrestling and uh, TikTok forward slash at Triple Threat Wrestling is where we post all of our content. Uh, like I said, a lot of top five lists, um, breaking down whatever is uh, relevant or we just want to talk about. So, Travis Brewer, thanks again for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. So I want to thank our guests today for coming on the show, the Triple Threat Wrestling Podcast, and of course, Haku or Ming. I was a little nervous during that interview, but he was very nice. And I do want to say this because I didn't really say it at the top of the show. Most everyone I talk to say Haku is a very nice, mild-mannered guy. Despite the fact that you could have some scary bar fight stories, just a good guy all around. Everyone kind of loves Haku or Ming. Just a tremendous career, just with the, the, the top guys ever in this industry they have put against him over the years. So it's been fun to uh, talk about him here on episode 50. Can't believe we're 50 episodes in. I want to thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week on Going Ringside. This has been Going Ringside with The Local Station, brought to you every Wednesday on your favorite podcast player, on News 4 Jax Plus, as well as the News 4 Jax YouTube channel.